Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. During uh, worship this morning, I just um, kept seeing, and in, in, I guess we'd say in the spirit, um, just cogs actually descending in this, in this atmosphere, uh, different sized cogs. They weren't actually, they weren't big cogs, but they were little, little cogs. And I was like, this is interesting, God, what, what are the cogs about? And um, I just had this sense that uh, God was saying that he's going to bring, you know how we need this big cogs, small cogs, all sorts of co- to make a, a clock work or a machine work. And I just had a sense that God was saying that there's some people here that are just really looking for the missing pieces to come in to, to bring order and connection so things can flow uh, in your life. And I just saw things coming down like divine relationships with some of those cogs for business deals. I just saw like aha moments. Uh, I just saw this, this connection coming. And so if you're leaning in at this time in your spirit going, God, I'm just, I feel like I've got some missing people pieces, just take a hold of that right now. Just say, that's mine. I want to take those missing pieces. I want to take those missing people. I want to, because God is actually doing something. He's orchestrating something that is not just about the individual. It's always about the collective. He's always doing something across the uh, spectrum of the church and of our community. And so anyway, take that. Um, uh, This week, uh, we were at Open Heaven. Um, When I say we, there was Mitch and I, and I think the Bonds were there as well. There are a few from you guys. Now, if you don't know what Open Heaven um, was, it was a collective worship uh, night from all the churches around Christchurch, and they did these right across New Zealand, and all the churches, Anglicans, Baptists, Pentecostals, um, everyone came together, and the town hall was absolutely packed. Um, They sold out of tickets right back at the start of December. Um, and so next year um, in, in Christchurch, they're going to go to the Horncastle Arena. Um, and so we'll just get a little bit more organized and take some, I don't know, we'll take some buses in or something next year because it was such an incredible night to be a part of God is stirring something of unity um, within the body of Christ in the city, within this nation. Um, and some of our heroes, you know, Paul DeYoung was on the stage leading, um, different, uh, Dave McGregor from Grace Vineyard, there were just different, um, real incredible ministries and ministers um, leading that night. So next year, come along, if you hear about Open Heaven, it is an awesome, awesome thing to be a part of. Hey, so Deb and I, uh, recently, we were actually at Waitangi. Now, I'm going to say Waitangi, and then sometimes I'm going to say Waitangi, I'm going to sometimes try and say Māori, and then I'm going to say Māori, just because I can't help myself. So don't be offended with my pronounce with my pronunciation. Uh, so we were, we were recently at Waitangi and um, we were in the museum there and we noticed a few artifacts, Māori artifacts, that had the word Fraser beside. And we're like, oh, this is interesting. Um, who is this guy? We're gifted from um, the William Fraser Māori uh, collection. And so after finding out, we went back and, and did a little bit of research and I discovered that my great uncle actually had significant uh, influence in that region and he had a Māori artefact collection and a museum in uh, Whangarei and, and many um, artefacts were actually at Waitangi. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, another little kind of thing that you have no real, you have no, you know, you just don't know where your ancestors went. Um, and so it was really amazing. And, and after visiting Waitangi, we just uh, understood actually that 
if you live in New Zealand, we are all connected to Waitangi. We are all connected to that moment and to the treaty. And, and um, you know, the, the, the Treaty of Waitangi, it's the founding document of New Zealand. It's agreement between the Crown and, and the Māori iwi. And I just want to give just a tiny wee sm- smidgen brief history of, um, of the treaty. And it was entered into because New Zealand was changing quickly in the late 1830s. Uh, British and Europeans were acquiring land from Māori and they had set up commercial operations. Crime and violence was on the rise. Foreign powers, notably the French, were also taking an interest in New Zealand. Hello, Akaroa. Um, in uh, his book, um, Huia Come Home, Jay Rokuya states um, a little bit about the treaty. And he says, the treaty was first thought of by Christians. And the treaty was written by Christians. In other words, the treaty, New Zealand's cultural covenant, is not just national history, but a crucial part of our Christian story. He went on to say that this was the first time in the, Brit- the British had accorded any indigenous race a document promising their protection and granting them British citizenship. And, you know, there's two sides of the treaty, isn't there? And, and then after the treaty was signed and the intentions of um, the crown became fully known. There was this mass exodus of Māori from the church, unfortunately. And then in the 1970s, Māori uh, protest was uh, unresolved, and so the um, and, and treaty grievances were increasing. So the Waitangi Tribunal was formed to provide this legal process by which Māori treaty claims could be investigated. And so the treaty today, it's a constitutional document that helps guide the reconciliation process between the Crown, that's, you know, New Zealand um, people um, uh, and the, and the Māori people. So taking it a step f- further, and as Mary Lou actually um, alluded to, the treaty is also viewed by some as a covenant agreement between Māori and non-Māori people of Aotearoa. Today, my message is called Reconcile Hearts to Cities. I just want to kick this off by two definitions of uh, the word reconcile. The first definition, reconcile means to bring back to a former state of harmony. I don't know about you, but every Christmas, I hear Michael Bublé sing. Uh, Does anyone hear Michael at Christmas time? And I hear pentatonics sing. Does anyone hear pentatonics? Mary, did you know? Yeah, that, that baby boy would someone, I don't know, what happened to that? He'd be a saviour anyway. We know that. And so there's a group, pentatonics, if you've never heard of this, uh, they are a group of singers, vocalists, and they uh, sing a cappella. And so you've got the deep, and then you've got the and they are, but they are all, whenever they sing, they are all in tune. And, and they have reconciled their voices as a group to create harmony, and they sound as one. So that's cool, eh? That's that, to, to, that first definition, to bring back a former state of harmony. Second definition, this, uh, it, it doesn't sound quite as exciting. It is to account for. Uh, accounting doesn't sound as exciting as harmonizing, but the bottom line to Jesus Christ is actually super important. And he reveals his desire to reconcile all things when he said in the context of, hey, if there were a hundred sheep, 
If there were a hundred sheep, but if one was missing, the good shepherd would go and get that sheep. They'd reconcile, he'd reconcile what was lost and bring back to the fold. It says this in Colossians 1, 19 and 20, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. Someone say, all the fullness. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. Everyone say, all things. By Him, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. You know, to have a hundred sheep together was to have everyone accounted for. Every deficit reconciled. I want to just remind you today that the Father notices missing pieces. He knows all the things in our lives about us that are missing. He knows who's missing from Thrive today, who's missing from the body of Christ today. He knows the people who are missing. He knows the healings that are missing. He knows the, the, the peace maybe that we are missing here this morning. He knows if we are missing the mark, you know, that, that sin. He knows if we are missing the abundant Life in Christ, Romans 5, 17. Jesus is not satisfied with an incomplete picture of his family. He's hungry for reconciliation. He desires wholeness. And from, the, from cover to cover, the Bible carries this narrative of reconciliation. You know, the Old Testament is a picture of a, a story. It's not just a picture. It's a story of, of God the Father desiring to reconcile His people, the nation of Israel, so He can partner with them to do something great on this planet. And, but Israel are this nation that are constantly rebelling and then reconciling to God. They're, they're constantly uh, out of tune. <laughs> and then they're coming back into harmony with God. Second Chronicles, it summar summarizes this, the Father's desire for His people to be in tune with Him and, and to be reconciled with Him. We all know this voice that says, if my people who are called by my name should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know, this was a nation that was conflicted. They were enamored and distracted by other ideals and idols of that day. And then it goes on to say, then, you know, if you do that, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So this verse, it opens up to us that, that this concept that reconciliation with God must be preceded by our partnership with Him. That when we, His people, are face to face in relationship with God, then He... <laughs> can heal what needs to be healed in our lives and the world around us. You know, I just want to remind you, you know this, that politics and policies won't heal our nation. Our nation is in need of a heart transplant. Our nation needs Christ. First uh, Corinthians five sixteen to 19. I love this portion of Scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and the verses preceding this are just so worth reading as well. Therefore, if anyone, because if there's a therefore, there's something that happened before. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Say, I have the ministry of reconciliation. I have the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them as he has committed, everyone say committed, <laughs> he has committed to us the, ministry, uh, the message of reconciliation. So he has he is, um, committed it to us. He, and, and, and he has asked us to be reconcilers. It's not just something we say, but it's something that we do. You know, we've got to ask ourselves if, if our social media is just full of a certain bent, if it's, if it's full of a certain language that maybe is consistently like frust, frustration at a political uh, point of view or the prime minister, we need to ask ourselves if people are getting the message of reconciliation from us. Is that what people are hearing from what you're saying and what you're doing? If our message isn't one of reconciliation, we've missed the point. And so this should be a really high priority for us in the way that we look and respond to the world around us. So I just want to give you three insights to help us engage with the ministry of reconciliation today. The Bible says that basically where there is conflict, there's always an opportunity for healing and restoration. If you're in a, a place here today and you're like, man, I've got conflict in my life or I've got conflict in my history, I want to tell you that God's got a, a redemptive, restorative pathway for you to tread. You know, Genesis chapter 32, it, it, it opens up the story of uh, two twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, and they had incredible extreme rivalry going on between them as they grew up. They were polar opposites. Uh, in the womb, they fought each other like... And it was so intense that Rebecca, their mother, prayed about this punch-up that's going on inside her stomach. <laughs> and God said to her, there are two nations within your womb. How can that, how can that be more extreme Two kingdoms, two political worldviews that God has actually seeded in there and said, well, you know, they're both good, but they're so different. You know, a womb is a hidden place, and we all have that hidden... Uh, well, not necessarily, we don't all have a womb physically, <laughs> but we all have this hidden place inside of us, and, and life flows out of our innermost being. I, I guess you could say that we have a spiritual womb. You know, if we can't reconcile our internal conflicts, we're going to also struggle to reconcile our external differences in our families and our communities. And if we can't reconcile our differences in community, we'll never be entrusted with the mission of reconciliation cross-culturally. Reconciliation, this is my first thought, is that it begins in our core. And we have to be internally reconciled before we can start exporting the ministry of reconciliation. Cognitive dissonance. It's a big, big couple of words. Um, but it means to be internally unreconciled. Internally unreconciled. Cognitive dissonance. So this is when our desires, our dreams, and our thoughts are different to what we're actually saying or doing with our lives. 
we're at conflict. We're at inner conflict. Yes, the Word of God says about this about me. Yes, that's a promise for my life, promise. But I feel and I believe and I'm thinking something completely different. Like, you know, perhaps I've been coming to Thrive for years. And they say that church is a place of belonging, of love, and of friendship. So then on a Sunday morning... I'm bright and I'm bubbly and I'm so happy to be in the room with you. But actually, deep down, I feel really lonely and hurting and like I actually don't belong in this place that you say that I belong in. Cognitive dissonance is is basically wearing a mask and we're projecting that kind of image with the masks that we wear, the happy image, but behind the mask, we're actually in conflict. We're actually struggling with saying one thing and doing another. And I want to tell you that God wants to heal that in your life if you're struggling, if you're that kind of, in that kind of space. That's being internally unreconciled, un- unreconciled, and the pathway to freedom with that is just about getting real. <laughs> It's just about being real about your space and taking off the mask and actually going, well, this is me as I am. (laughs) I know I'm a mess in some places in my life, but I want to step into a healing pathway. And and sometimes the lie that we've been believing just needs to be exposed. You know that the lid needs to be lifted and whatever's in there just needs to be cleaned out by the Holy Spirit. And, And we can end up just wearing filters in life. And so we've viewing life through a certain kind of lens because, man, that filter, that has distorted everything you see and it needs to just go. So those internal conflicts need to be resolved so we can have internal reconciliation. And I believe God's doing this in the church in this season. This is a time of being internally reconciled. If you have been tolerating that kind of life for years, it's just stop tolerating it. Let the real you out. Let the, let the real you be confronted by the truth of the Word of God with others present. So reconciliation, and I mean, it's, it's a picture of forgiveness, isn't it? And, and that's, that can start with forgiving yourself. <laughs> Just letting that blame go. Shift the blame off your life onto the cross and go, you know, this was, you forgive me, Jesus. I, I, I reconcile with your grace. So it's not a feeling forgiveness, it's a choice. And, and our capacity to forgive doesn't depend on anyone else's behavior or permission. We just rely on God's grace to accomplish it. And so you don't have to have everything sorted out in your life to be completely 100% forgiven by the goodness of Jesus Christ. He just wants to take your hand and walk you on. He just wants to step you on in towards your freedom. Okay, so back to Jacob and Esau, because I've got issues. <laughs> Like you and me, <laughs> and uh, and they were things got so heated between Jacob and Esau as young adults is that Jacob fled from home for the sake of his life. He ran away. He was going to get killed, uh, and then twenty years go by with no connection between Jacob and Esau. Right, and there's no messaging. There's no Snapchat. There's nothing. It's just cold, hard silence. And then in chapter thirty-two, J- uh, Jacob's on a journey, and and then we're told by um, the word that angels come to Jacob. Not just an angel, but like many angels. Isn't that awesome? I just like, let's pause on that and say, yep, bring me some angels, Jesus. (laughs) It's not recorded what's said, but he had this angelic visitation. And after this encounter, 
the Bible says that Jacob turned back towards home and reconciles with his brother Esau. Forgiveness flowed. And so this became a defining moment in Jacob's story. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So reconciliation, it precedes our devotion. In fact, reconciliation is our rite of passage towards worshiping God. It's a part of what we do to come before we come into his presence, is that we sort out what needs to be sorted out. And so for Jacob, this, this next step God required of him, it probably felt like he was stepping back towards his past. It probably was like, oh, well, I want to step on with you, God. I don't want to go back there. <laughs> and, and, and Jacob said, no, no, your future is in your history. You've got to go back and deal with that. And we want to recoil, but, but God wants us to reconcile. God wants us to reconcile, to bring back a former state of harmony. And I hope that encourages someone today. You know, our, our nation is revisiting the past currently through the Waitangi tribu- Tribunal, <laughs> uncovering what needs to be uncovered. And, and, and Father, we pray for our land that you would heal what needs to be healed. We pray that whatever is uncovered would, would come into the light, that healing could flow in our land. The, the spirit of reconciliation, the heart of reconciliation, the, the response of reconciliation requires alignment with the Holy Spirit and His Word. It says this in Malachi 3. We love this one. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test now. And this says the Lord of armies. If I do not open uh, for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor, the, nor will the vine in the field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies. All the nations will call you blessed. All the nations will call you blessed. <laughs> All the nationalities. Everyone's going to see. Everyone with a different worldview is going to see. Something's going on with those guys. <laughs> see, number three, reconciliation is a faith partnership. Reconcile. Remember, it means to account for. You know, in the natural, if we give, if we bring the tithe, <laughs> We have less. But in this text, God says, I will accept, uh, I will account for your financial loss. I will reconcile your faith step by blessing you with more. In fact, I will also account for this by protecting your investments. I will rebuke the devourer for you. I will. He's saying this, on your behalf, when you do this, I'll step in and do something for you. And nations will then marvel how I've reconciled your faith. Um, I was talking with an awesome pastor up in uh, Hamner, Mike Shaxton, uh, just this week. And he um, told me a little bit of his story because they've just come into something pretty amazing in their lives. And, and he had a dream 35 years ago to own their own farm, uh, to have about three or 4,000 sheep. 
and they were heading towards that dream. They had about a thousand sheep at this time. And then in the, in the middle of this pursuit of that dream, um, Mike said this to me. He said, God rocked up to me and said, I don't want you to farm sheep. I want you to look after my people and become pastors. And so they, they let that dream of farming go. And then years later, they'd been pastors in various churches around New Zealand. They'd lived this lifestyle of giving. They're given finances. They're given resources. They're given generously. And, um, but over this time, they'd never had enough money to be able to actually save up and own their own home. And now they're actually close to retiring. But they had enough to buy a section. So they said to God, Lord, you know what we need. And as a step of faith, they bought an empty section in Hamna. The empty section sat untouched for two and a half years. And they waited, they prayed, they continued to minister in Hamna and believe that God knew all their needs. And then out of the blue, last year, they were given all of their money by one, one family <laughs> to build their own home, freehold, at no cost to them at all. This is a beautiful story of how reconciliation is a faith partnership with God. He wants to reconcile all things. Didn't it say that in Colossians? All things. All things. Jesus pay our mortgages. <laughs> Who wants to have their mortgage paid in Jesus' name? I mean, <laughs> we'll take that. You know, the night after Jacob reconciled with his brother, this is just a night after, he has this incredible spiritual encounter. And the Bible says that he didn't just get visited by a group of angels, that he wrestled with an angel. And this wrestle, in this wrestle, Jacob is determined to receive a blessing from God. And then eventually the angel was like, well, Jacob's not letting go. I'm going to have to bless him. And he said this, your name, Jacob, will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. See, Israel means, well, one of the meanings is Prince of God. I want to propose to you that as Jacob reconciled the broken relationship with his brother the day before, as he wrestled with his faith and as he wrestled with the Spirit of God, the identity of a new nation was being forged within him. Come on. There's something powerful in the wrestle of reconciliation. And our inheritance is even discovered and revealed as we wrestle with reconciliation, as we move towards reconciliation, because it is a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's a part of exporting the gospel of the King and the gospel of the kingdom and the great shepherd's vision for our nation as a nation to be reconciled. Under God, one under God, one under God, not one under national or labour or any other wafty party that's out there, but it is a nation under God. The armies of the Most High God, a heart for one another. And I believe 
that, that God needs His people to take the old goggles off, to take the old lenses off and start looking at our neighbours, at our family, at our nation with new lenses, with new lenses. Who needs new lenses? <laughs> the old is gone. Wasn't it say? The old is gone. You're a new creation. You've got new lenses. You've got a new mode of operation. You've got a new spirit, the spirit of Christ within you that is defined by the spirit of reconciliation. And He wants to fill you with this passion to live as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media 